0: everyone welcome on in to another episode of the dynamic leaders podcast i am colin and with me again is my co-host jamie today jamie and i are going to go through one big win we have a quick segment to talk about leading up to our featured conversation with my guest jessica schultz jess as most people call her and we'll give you all the details on jess as we wrap things up here but jamie Welcome back, I know you are in the process of moving, so thank you so much for taking the time to record with me here today, but welcome back and let's start off with one big win. I've got one. I can go first. you can go first. What do you wanna do here?
1: Um I'll let you lead us off. go for it.
0: <laughs> All right, so my one big win is actually going to lead into so on social media on a not I'm not on Instagram, but I'm pretty active. On Twitter. Um, Every Friday, I do a hashtag like giving post where I've been like challenging myself every single week to find a way to give to somebody or something uh, and just say, like, I shouldn't be taking as much as I have throughout the course of my life. And so this week, I already know this is today's Tuesday. And by the time Friday comes around, I already know what I'm going to post about. So it's, it's all going to be weird because people won't hear this until the following Monday. So maybe they'll see the post already, but um, I really, uh, it's, it's so funny when you talk about the giving thing, I think people could maybe see it as like patting yourself on the back, especially making it public like I do. But the point of me making it public was just to encourage more people to do it. And so I had a, an athlete, a student athlete that I work with, who's interested in a career in sports journalism. I've made, a ton of connections just on this podcast alone in uh, people who are in that industry. And so today I just sent out a bunch of messages. I was like, Hey, I'm working with this woman. She's interested. Would you have time? And I've got her set up with, you know, at least, at least a few people, uh, hopefully more, to have conversations with to learn more about the industry and to you know figure out so i feel like that was a pretty big win to just be able to really help someone who um, you know was looking for that direction and i couldn't provide that direction but i knew i had people on my network and so it was really cool to be able to actually use <laughs> use the network use the network excuse me and use the relationship building that i talk about all the time and be able to help somebody it's a really good feeling
1: that's awesome. I'm sure that means a ton to them. And I really like that you shared it and you post about it. And I know, like you said, people think it's patting on the back, but you just inspired me. I think that's such a cool thing to implement into your <laughs> routine. So very, very cool. Um, so yeah, my big win of the week was securing a partnership with an animal rescue local to the Charlotte area. And um, that's really kind of the vision I have for puppy preparatory going forward is building partnerships with nonprofits that are in the heart of animal welfare. That's, my background is in as far as fostering dogs go. So um, they're going to promote my services. And when someone fucks, I'm going to give their adopters a discount and then donate back to them for each sign up. I'm really, really excited about that. And hopefully it'll lead to some other local partnerships down the road.
0: Yeah, that is awesome. Very, very cool partnership to announce on the air Jamie's business just taken off you go, if you didn't if you didn't look at Jamie's business in the first after listening to the first episode go to the show notes now and look at her contact information her Instagram page for her business and everything check it out what she's doing is really cool and I'm happy for you I know how much you care and how much work you put in I think that's really cool wow we we just both have like really heartwarming wins this yeah. week I think
1: <laughs> yeah well thank you so much Thank you for you know shouting out my business and all of that good stuff too. I really, really appreciate that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about, again, I try to lead into these conversations, or we try to lead into these conversations by picking out one of the many aspects that you will hear from our featured guest here in just a few minutes and saying, "Wow, that was really impactful. To me, one of the most impactful segments or moments, in the conversation upcoming with Jess is when we talked about a sustainable, healthy culture. I thought it was so cool. Most of the time I'm prompting it by talking about my book and talking about like how the Yankees built this year over year, 30 year period where they had this sustainable culture that everybody kind of bought into that they did a lot of winning and just really healthy from a number of different standards and however you want to measure them. But Jess took the lead in this conversation and she was talking about how, when she got to Oklahoma, how the, where she played softball, the culture had shifted a little bit in a way that wasn't positive and her class got there and they were like, okay, we're going to be the ones to turn this around And it's one thing, I think, to be able to say that, but it's another thing to actually execute and to come through. And then what I think is really even more awesome about all of this is now fast-forwarding seven, eight years since Jess has graduated and seeing that so much of the work that went into establishing this culture of excellence, the way that they wanted to build it at Oklahoma still exists there. So like Jess's team, they got to the – I think they just got to the College World Series, the um, her junior year, maybe of of college. And they lost pretty early senior year of college. They won the Women's College World Series. I think this was maybe 2013 or so. And then fast forward again, we're having this conversation a couple months ago when Oklahoma is back in the championship game for the College World Series and they actually ended up winning it. Uh, But it was really cool because they hadn't won the championship since that year. But again, the standards were just there. They, they upheld them. She felt really proud to represent that program. Like she stays very involved in it and the kids that just keep coming through and the kids that are being recruited by the coach that recruited her, like, it was just so cool to see it and hear it from someone else versus like me babbling on about the Yankees all the time and saying like, oh yeah, they did this really great for 30 years. Like you should listen to me. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, Jamie, in relation to that, has there ever been a team or a work organization or anything that you've been a part of where you have felt maybe the standards lowering and you were a part of like being able to lift that back up or have you just been fortunate enough to be a part of a team where you got in and they were like the bar set pretty high here you got to work to keep it up there have you ever been a part of like either one of those type of things
1: I have actually that kind of that question flashes me back to my high school swimming career um, which (laughs) I actually started in in middle school because it was the rule was that there wasn't that team at the middle school you could try to get onto the high school team. So I swam um, on the varsity swim team since the seventh grade, but it was such a fun environment, even at that age, because my brother was still in high school at the time and he was actually the captain. Um, And I watched him build that kind of culture. And it was already a little bit of, you know, it was already kind of there established a bit with that, but we were taking a sport that it really is an individual sport. Your head is in the water. You're not communicating and trying to build a culture there where it was supportive and encouraging to everyone. It really felt like a team sport. And I was able to watch him do that. And then as he phased out of it, by the time I was actually in high school, I got to be a part of it after he was gone. And that was such a fun experience. I mean, you could see the difference at meets between our team and the others and the way we were there for cheering for each other, or like helping each other get ready, you know, mentally it is such a mental sport, right? So helping each other kind of get prepared before we go up on that block and do our thing individually so that was a ton of fun and I think is kind of right on board with that of how do you build it and then sustain it afterwards and I one of the girls I swam with is now the head coach on that same team and I know they have a really strong program still so
0: very cool very cool I think it's I think it's awesome that you pointed out to like okay, it's still, it's an individualized sport when you're competing, but there still is that team aspect to it, right? Like you still support each other. You're still all together in the locker room. You know, you're still all represented by the same logo or the same school, whatever it is. So I think it's cool how through your program, you were able to establish that team identity, given that it's such an individual sport. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. For sure. And it makes a huge, a huge difference going into it when you feel like you know, even in the losses or those meets that we didn't do well, it was still, we came back to practice the next day and we're so much more motivated. We weren't beating ourselves up because sometimes in those individual sports where it is kind of a more independent event, you're, it's a battle with yourself to be like, Oh my gosh, I didn't win. Or I didn't have my fastest time. Or I thought I was going to be, you know, so much better, but having that kind of team spirit is really helpful to kind of get out of that mental space and move on and get ready for the next meet.
0: Beautiful. Well, we've had a lot of positives already on this podcast and we're going to lead you right in again to our conversation with Jess Schultz, former national champion softball player at Oklahoma. Enjoy the conversation. Jamie and I will see you all next week. Okay. We are here today with Jess Schultz. Jess is a hitting coach hitting and catching coach in the Sacramento area. She's an Oklahoma University softball alum, 2013 national champion. Jess, I want to start today's conversation basically you and I, we're going to talk a lot about high performance and about leadership, both of which you excel in. And I want to start with high performance. (laughs) And I urge people, I I was thinking about this. I I could read off all your accolades that you had in (laughs) high school and in college, but it might take up a good chunk of the podcast. So I urge people to go take a look at your profile on the OU website. It is extremely impressive. And from a high performance standpoint, my general interest just lies in how. How do you get to achieve all of those accolades that you did both in high school and then at the division one level in college? Was there something around your work ethic that led you to be able to achieve all that you did?
2: Um yeah, I definitely think it has to do a little bit with work ethic. I mean, as a young kid, I was, you know, I'm tall, I'm five nine, so I think that helps a little bit too just being naturally <laughs> tall, but no, I definitely um, grew up in a baseball and softball family. I have an older brother who kind of pushed me. He played baseball his whole life, so I wanted to be just as good as him. He batted left-handed, so I batted left-handed, and I think having that healthy, you know, competitiveness, competitiveness and support with each other really helped me elevate my game and want to, you know, take my softball game to the next level. You know, it helped that I have a really supportive family too. My parents were super invested. You know in my development in the sport but also my development kind of in choosing a sport that i wanted i played basketball growing up i played soccer so i think just being a competitive person in general really helped me know dial it in when it did become softball was the sport i really did want to pursue and kind of made that decision as a sophomore in high school of you know i really like softball i'm pretty good at it and i want to you know spend the majority of my time training and preparing myself for the next level if that's what I want. And so I feel like kind of making the decision to put in the work and dialing it in as, you know, I got to that middle point of my career in high school really helped. And honestly, just having the support of my brother and always wanting to be as good as him and having that kind of sibling rivalry of, you know, being able to work in the backyard together, whether it was hitting or throwing and, you know, just having that, Um, good banter between each other was really helpful
0: yeah absolutely it's clear how impactful he was and and hopefully still is to you and I'm wondering is was there anyone else outside of your brother you know especially as as you got into your own sports and you got a little bit older that a a healthy competition you put it Mm -hmm. you know competition doesn't need to be backstabbing and hoping for the worst for the other person so you get more playing time were there other people who drove you just as much you know teammates that you can talk about
2: Absolutely. I think once I decided to go play for the firecrackers organization in Huntington beach, big time organization, Tony Rico, amazing job. I was a sophomore and had only played like locally for my hometown. My dad started this team called the smashers never, heard of, you know, it's like, it's a one-off team. And so when I got the opportunity to go play for Tony Rico and firecrackers organization, I was like, Oh my gosh, like all these players are good. And, um, Two really influential athletes were, to me, Ashley Hansen and Lainey Korea. One played at Stanford, and she was the player of the year, and then one played at Arizona and big impact catcher. And I think just learning their leadership and their competitiveness and their love for the game really helped me elevate mine as a sophomore. I know it probably doesn't seem like that, but I, I do want everyone to like me sometimes. And so I think that might have come up a little nice, and they helped me kind of you know, use – my niceness and all be and still be able to be a leader and enter into a role like that. Um, So they definitely were very influential in helping me find myself behind the plate and my leadership style and what I wanted to project to everybody on the field and off the field. So very grateful that I was able to be teammates with both of them
0: that's um the smashers what a great team <laughs>
2: <laughs> i was like what did our team name be called like oh my goodness <laughs> yeah
0: yeah you think about all those when you're youth and some of the, yeah. like i i played soccer we, we were called the surge that soda that was real popular back yeah. in <laughs> it's just just so hilarious, hilarious. <laughs> so, so, so um one of the things that you also talked about in terms of uh, competition and being able to achieve what you did from an accolade standpoint and from an athletic standpoint was putting into work. And mm-hmm. that is a phrase that is buzzy uh, for lack of a, a better word to use there. Yeah. And um, you know, a lot of people, they work really hard. You know, I think there's, there's a couple of different things to this, right. They can work mm-hmm. really hard, but they're not working toward the right things or they're not yeah. doing the things that will get them to what they're trying to achieve. Uh, or you just have the people who just want to rely on their talent, and, or mm-hmm. just, uh, they're, they're lazy even sometimes and uh, don't want to put that work in. So when you say you were putting in the work, I mean, even if you want to get specific to drills that you were doing and things like mm-hmm. that, like what what was it that separated you from most of your peers at these levels?
2: Um, You know, I think, honestly, it's making a little bit of sacrifice, especially at a young age, and surrounding yourself with the right people. I mean, I dedicate a lot of my time to softball, where you're missing the parties sometimes, you're missing the birthdays, you're missing going out to the movies, and it's something that I'm, you know, I did have a good life balance, but I spent a lot of my time making sure I got in the backyard and was swinging, and making sure that, you know, I was doing the right things to prepare myself to have a weekend of seven games when you're growing up. And that I feel like those foundations that I created for myself as um, a high school kid carried over when you are entering college in the first time and you're on your own and having to make all these big time decisions by yourself. I mean, 18 for these kids going off to college, it's hard to like, okay, what is the right things I need to be doing to make sure that I can excel at an elite level when I step on that field and it's all the work that you're putting in on your own it's making sure i mean i wasn't the most organized person but it's making sure you get on a schedule it's making sure you're taking care of your business in that regard so that you know you can succeed and i think it's doing all those little things you know working out and um kind of going to class and doing all that stuff but really helps you have that balance and perform i mean I had a little bit, I'm not gonna lie. I had a little bit where I thought I was like just the set athlete and could get away with a lot of that stuff. When sure. I'm after my freshman year, um, had a really good like freshman year came out and kind of was on cruise control a little bit, just going into my sophomore year. And um, then I got sick and my sophomore season, I got really, really sick. I um, was put in the hospital during postseason. And you know, it was the first time in Oklahoma's career, the last 10 years they had been to the World Series. And I'm like, I'm missing this. Like, this is crazy. And so when I got out of the hospital, I made about myself that I'm gonna get back in that line of whatever it takes. And I think it's that competitiveness and that work ethic where you can go one or two ways when you get dealt a bad hand in college. You can, you know, feel bad about well, bad for yourself and kind of like for me or you can get back and kind of take little steps to kind of improve your game to get back to the level you were and i think i lost a little bit of that being so good my freshman year and then when you get everything kind of taken away from you it's like oh my gosh i forgot the work that i did as a high school kid i forgot all that work that i got to get back to that made me great and you know so the blessing in disguise that you know i did get sick because it really made me fall back in love with working hard and wanting to compete at the highest level because, I mean, these you go to college wanting to go to the World Series, but eight teams go. So you never know how, like, when you're going to be back. So I was like, I wanted to be ready when we did get back to the World Series. So I think, you know, having, a, having both kind of happen to me where I was a little bit lazy. And then having to re-step up my game really showed me how important that work you put in is.
0: Yeah, and I'm happy You shared that because to me, it highlights two things. And, you know, you say lazy and I don't even know if if that's really the case, because what you've pointed out, though, is that you had the work ethic and the preparation that Mm -hmm. allowed you to take a setback. And mm-hmm. still get back to where you were, and maybe even excel more as a result because you yes. were, were motivated. So, yeah, I don't even know if, if "lazy" is is the right ah. word, but I, but I, I, I am happy that you talked about a moment of adversity because I think it also highlights that you know, we, we've we talked so much already on this episode about your success. And, you know, people might just see that and think it's this linear growth that you just kept going mm-hmm. up, up, up. And, you know, that was, like you said, your sophomore year of college, right, right in the middle of things at, yeah. at the highest level. And it could have been really easy to probably, you know, face plant from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe even give up in some cases. And so, um, I think that was really powerful and highlights a lot about that work ethic and how you get to be a high performer because it's it's not easy, but mm-hmm. if you prepare in the way that you do, you can handle those inevitable setbacks, right?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> I I want to uh, jump around a little bit um, yeah. <laughs>
1: because
0: <but laughs> I have so many questions. You're saying amazing things here it seems like from what you had said, you identified in high school that you had it and and you could make that jump from high school to the college level and continue to mm-hmm. play softball. And maybe you started specializing a little bit more at yeah. that point. And it's interesting because it doesn't seem like before that you were, you, you know, you were playing for your dad's team, like you said, and you didn't really have yeah. maybe a ton of exposure or anything. And, yes. um, I know recruiting (laughs) changes pretty significantly even year to year these Mm -hmm. days, but what was it like for you? Like, how did you end up at Oklahoma? How did you know that that was going to be a fit for you academically, athletically, personally? Um, How did you get from the point where, okay, I know I have it, now where Mm -hmm. am I going to go and do it?
2: No, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, I feel like any California kid growing up in Southern California, you think you're going to UCLA. You think so? (laughs) I was like, Bruin, like, I'm going to be UCLA softball player. So going and making that jump from the Smashers to the Firecrackers, you know, um, I knew I was good and I had some good uh, mentors in front of me that were going to some big name schools. So it was like I had my blinders on that I was going to go to UCLA. I really wanted to play softball there. That was my goal. And then, you know, things shift, you know, especially I feel like these kids are dealing with it right now because of COVID, you're seeing... You know these schools not have the same funding and everything's kind of shifting around a little bit making room for these girls that now got an extended fifth year to be able to play and so you see you know girls kind of being upset and having to restart that process over of recruiting and that kind of happened to me a little bit when i was a junior in high school junior year kind of took off a little bit I was getting some exposure from colleges And, you know, everyone was like, oh yeah, UCLA is going to be all over you. So I had this like vision in my head, like, oh my gosh, it's going to happen. And then when it didn't happen, I was like, oh my gosh, am I not good enough? And then um, kind of put myself back in the recruiting world. And I'm so glad I did because I could could not have imagined going to a different school than Oklahoma. I will never forget nationals for travel ball used to be held out there. And I remember we're, we're at the Hall of Fame Stadium and Tony Rico comes up to me and goes, "You see? Or, whoa, sorry, Oklahoma wants you to come on campus and take a visit. And I was like, no, nope, not going. I was like, I know where we're at. Like, Oklahoma, where are we? And I she was like, no, it's like, this it is a great, I was like, I'm, I'm a California kid. Like, I'm not leaving California. The second I stepped on campus, my dad, like, turned to my mom and was like, yep, she's not coming home. Like, there's no way she's coming home and i just fell in love with the campus fell in love with the culture that oklahoma created and um one thousand percent coach Gasso's told me she one thousand percent made me feel like the only recruit in the world like i had never gotten that feeling from any other coach that was kind of recruiting me and she made me feel like i was her number one I mean, just like laid out the works for me when I stepped on campus. And I, it was that moment that I'm like, you know what? Like you have these visions of what you think the process is going to be when you're getting recruited, but staying open-minded really showed me like, oh my goodness, there are so many schools out there that you cannot be set, especially as a sophomore, but like you're so young to think that it's just one way. Um, So I'm really glad that the recruiting process opened back up for me and was able to experience going to Oklahoma, getting that visit and uh, ultimately making the best decision in my life and meeting my best friends. Um, My pitcher is going to be my maid of honor, my wife, like just these relationships that we build after softball, I realized are so important. So like I said, like I hope these girls going through the recruiting process, yeah, it feels like. You know, oh, my dream school is not reaching out to me. Make sure you're doing your research of, you know, ex- or going to these different visits. Make sure you're seeing all these different schools because what you thought you might want can definitely change over time. Like, I honestly consider myself an Oklahoma kid now. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, I grew up in Southern California. Like, I really, it's so weird. I feel like I just relate to that Midwest so much better. So it was, it was a fun process.
0: Yeah, it's an amazing story. And I think there is such a direct correlation between someone who was as successful as you and it was obviously as happy as you were during your collegiate experience mm-hmm. and that relationship approach, relationship building approach that your yeah. coach took in that recruiting process. Because I think whenever you see someone transfer
1: or mm-hmm.
0: quit, you know whatever the, the case may be, at least for me that's initially what what goes into my head you know what what were they told what were they maybe even mm-hmm. promised that isn't coming to, to fruition right now and yeah. why are they looking for greener pass, passage when the opportunity might be right there in front of them if they work right. hard enough and and so i think um i think you really highlight something special in uh, in addition to keeping an open-mindedness about everything. But Mm -hmm. man, when you find that special relationship, don't, don't let, don't let that go.
2: (laughs) No, I agree. I agree. And I think you're right. With a greener pastures, it's not always greener. And you know, um, that's what I love about coach Casso is she laid it out. She also is direct with you and this is what you need to do to be a starter in our lineup. And like you said, you either accept that challenge and that's where that work ethic comes into play. Like, you either can be for me or you step up to the plate and get it done. And so, you know, that's it's it's hard, you know, seeing so many transfers happen and finding new homes. But I think, you know, just she really showed me that if you want something, work hard, stick it out. And you see that in where the Oklahoma program is at now and the growth that they've had over the last decade is just phenomenal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I can imagine she's probably the type of coach whether it's in the recruiting pitch or you know even when you're on the team where she'll tell you like you said what you need to do to get into the starting lineup but she'll also tell you what you need to do to be a role player and how you can still make an impact because you know Mm -hmm. as as we know there's there's only nine starting positions on the field Mm -hmm. and there's what you know at least double that on a roster if not more sometimes so there is going to be a need for role players, whether it's injury, whether it's uh, yeah. you know somebody's going through a funk, or mm-hmm. um, even if your your role is just to simply be a role player because the talent in front of you is just so much better. And mm-hmm. um, so, so I I imagine those those conversations are really impactful and, and have led to the success um, that you had and, and that your program is having. And to segue into more of the team success. So you were national champion in 2013. Mm -hmm. What year of school was that for you?
2: My senior year.
0: Your senior year. Wow. That (laughs) That is amazing. So what I'd love to do then, um, I'd I'd love to learn from a culture perspective, you know, what made that Mm -hmm. year special. Um, But I would also love to learn leading up to that. You had three years before that and it's really freaking hard to win a national championship and Mm -hmm. um you know like Alabama football for example makes it look really easy (laughs) because they they do it so often but it's really hard and and I don't like to discount seasons in which a team doesn't win a national championship and say that it's a failure I think you can still gain a lot from those so were there elements you know those first three years that you know being able to reflect now that you're able to say, okay, these were the building blocks. These were the seeds that led us to having that success in 2013.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I mentioned a little bit earlier, 2011 was the first year Oklahoma had been back in the world series since 2001. So it'd been a pretty big gap since we had been back. And so, you know, I think the mentality that year we had a couple of injuries. I was just coming out of the hospital. A couple of things had shifted. We, you know, were had some players out of position, but we, we were back, you know, and getting that experience of the atmosphere. And I just, I remember we were all just, I think, the quote was just excited to be there <laughs> and not necessarily there to win. Sure. And sure. so that's year one us back. And, you know, we left Oklahoma City chewing barbecue, done, like, what two, okay, like, I just got smoked and we went back to Norman and it was like, okay, do we just want to be okay with being at the world series or do we want a chance to compete at the world series? Like that's the discussion that we now started to have in the locker room because none of us were okay. Just being there. We're like, we're like, we're too good. We want to be contenders for the national title, not just, Oh, one of the eight teams. Like that's, that's cool. Like, no, that's not that's not good enough for us. So I, we went back to the drawing board, and, and our goal that next year was we want to be in the championship game. Like, we don't want to just experience that world and be okay with just experiencing it. That next year, we a mission. Every practice, we'd go out and touch the same ball that we wanted to make our national title be. Like, we tend to go on the wall, like, going from two and bar. Embarrass- to not like it was gonna be a big cup, but we knew we had the talent. So so amazing series. We ended up losing in that championship game to Alabama, and we're all on the field, just kind of like, what happened? Like we said,ers like we we thought this was it. Like we thought we had it, and we went back home to Norman, and it was like, okay, let's get back to work. Like we know we have the talent now. We know we have the team to win. What can we do a little bit differently in those in those moments and make it happen? So, honestly, from the day we lost in 2012, it was like the next day we were all on a mission to we're getting back to that game. Like, we are getting ourselves back into that championship game. Our senior leadership, kind of every practice, it was accountability. It was, you know – if it's not good enough, we would hold each other accountable because we knew what it took and we knew how much hard work, how much sacrifice we would have to put in to be back in that big moment. So I honestly think, you know, if you ask some of the younger ones, they might say we were a little bit, you know, ruthless at some times, <laughs> but <laughs> I just felt like we were on a mission and we, we knew, you know, what needed to be done in practice and all the work we had to put into have that opportunity to get back in that championship game. So, you know, we went through that senior year and it was like we won regionals. And I'll never forget it. We all just kind of nobody got excited. We all kind of walked off the field and it was like, good, check mark. One's done. Like that's <laughs> like it was, it was weird. We were all in the same like link though, that this isn't what we want. We we checked that off the list, but we want the national championship game. Like that's what we're focused on. We go to super regionals, we win. And it was like, same thing. We just walked off the field and we like, we're like, yes, second part of our goal is done. It's like, we know where we want to be. And so all of those weren't, weren't the moments we wanted to get over, like overexcited because we knew we had a bigger goal that we were, we needed to check those ones off the list, but we weren't letting our emotions kind of get the best of us in those moments. Right. And so Fast forward, we're now in the national championship game. And I honestly think if you watch watch that first game, all the preparation, all the sacrifice, the loss the year before, just like was putting a play in that first game, going 13 innings with Tennessee and then Lauren Chamberlain hitting the bomb to win that game one. It was just – but you saw us get down 3 nothing, And it's, it's like you saw just everyone kind of come together. So it was special – to win it in 2013, because you saw the growth happen throughout the last three years. You saw us not just develop from a team that was excited to be at the World Series, but a team that expected to be at the World Series. And you see that tradition continuing to be there when you watch Oklahoma play. And I think that's so fun. As an alumni, when you turn on the TV, it's like, gosh, these girls just, they bring it every day. They carry the tradition so well, but it's it's a standard now and not just a one-off. It's a standard to be at the World Series. It's a standard to be competing in the national championship. So it's a culture that Coach Casso's created. And these girls have continued to, you know, work upon.
0: I think that is so powerful in so many ways. And we'll we'll talk about a few of them <laughs> with the with the time that we have. But yeah. it reminds me a lot about so. I wrote my book culture of excellence largely mm-hmm. based around the the fact that to have a, a true culture of excellence, excellence is the word I use. You can insert whatever yeah, word yeah. that you want there, but to have that the expectation that you talked about, needs to be there. The Yankees succeed the way that they do because they expect to win the world series every single year. And they, it's the same thing. Like they win the first round of the playoffs. I mean, you see them, you know, congratulating each other, showing a little bit of enthusiasm, but the big party doesn't start until that last out of the world series is made. And that doesn't mean that they win the world series every year, obviously.
1: Exactly.
0: Exactly. And, yeah. And that doesn't mean either that the years when they win the world series, that it's considered a failure. Although if you ask the fans, that's, that's what they would tell you. <laughs> so, but I love how that's essentially what you just told us has been equated to the culture at mm-hmm. Oklahoma and what you do. And, and you were a part of st- setting that standard and you achieved the ultimate goal. Uh, mm-hmm. But now, I mean, now we're, we're, you know, what, eight, nine years removed from that. And wow. to be able to, like you said, to be an alum and to look back on that, like how powerful that is, that, that that's just one of the greatest stories of growth and culture that I think I've ever heard.
2: No, I agree. And it's, it's, it's a hundred percent coach Gasso knowing the right pieces to put in, getting the right work. And it's all about having the right surroundings and teammates there to create the culture that you want. And I think she's still to this day has done such a great job adapting, you know, with, you know, the new players coming in, but still keeping her core value there and what she wants. So um no, it's just, like you said, you've got to hold that standard and hold them accountable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And accountable. This is, you just said the word again, and this is actually where I wanted to take, one of the points that you talked about so often, like the work that I do, and I'm sure you see it through the work that you do. And just in general, when you're, you can, you can see it with teams, I think. You don't even need to be on the inside, but what separates a team from being able to achieve what you achieve is that accountability piece. And what I what I mean by it, and I'm sure you can relate to it, is sometimes groups who get along really well have a hard time mm-hmm. calling each other out when somebody's not working as hard as they should be, or somebody doesn't, um, you know, hit the cutoff uh, person the, the right way, or um, you know, whatever whatever the case may be for the sport they're playing. And it, it's it's being able to raise the competition, like if it's here, mm-hmm. and so you have a healthy culture, everybody gets along, but you're not able to compete with the highest le- at the highest level because you're afraid of hurting somebody's feelings. And like, at the end of the day, what I what I tell them, like when I'm consulting is, okay, if this person is like really your best friend. So, you know, the, the person who's gonna be your maid of honor at your wedding, do you want them to, in their wedding speech, talk about how you didn't call them out and we didn't get to win a national championship, but I wish you would have? or do you want them to talk about the difficult conversation that you had what happened as a result of that and now you can look back and be happy that you did it and didn't waste you know the the time that you had together like does that make sense what i'm getting at
2: absolutely i mean and it's something that i'm not even gonna lie to you i struggled with a little bit too you know i I think i mentioned earlier i'm the type of personality where i want everybody to like me and so um it's, and you're not going to be liked by everybody, but you hold them accountable. So, remember, there was a conversation that I had with Coach Gasser when I took on that captain role junior and senior year. She, you know, sat me down and was like, "Schultz, you've got to be able to now separate yourself a little bit and you know take on that role." And I think what was so special about our group is we didn't just have one person taking on that role; we had everybody. You know, knowing like I keep saying, the standard that we wanted, to get, but doing it in a way where we all knew we had each other's back and respected one another. So I feel like that really helped in that piece.
0: So I'm glad you brought up again, actually, the the niceness in in that piece of everything, um, because yeah. I'm, I'm really curious how <laughs> how you ended up being a catcher. You know, as, as a result of that knowing what the responsibilities of, of a catcher are and and uh, you know how you see the field versus you know everyone else and everything that goes into it so what about it what about catcher said to you like hey th- this will be a good fit for a position for me
2: yeah you know honestly it came i used to pitch a little bit when i was younger and just didn't work out it was not a good not a good fit so then my dad was like oh, what's another position that you know you could get recruited pretty well and it was like shortstop and it was I realized it cannot fill the ground ball very well and you know that's you know big part of shortstop you got to make some big time plays I was definitely not sis Bates so it was not going to happen for me um and our catcher ended up quitting and so ended up getting put behind the plate I have a pretty big personality I've had this personality kind of my whole life um and it just kind of I, it clicked like my game started to get better. I was like, Oh my gosh, I actually, actually can do this back here. And I think being around, um, she was an amazing catcher back one day at UCLA. And I just kind of, I saw her energy and her competitiveness that she brought behind the plate. And it wasn't always her being the loudest one on the field. It was her intentionalism and just her demeanor behind the plate, the way she carried herself. It was just, it was fun to watch. And I just, remember growing up like kind of basing my game around her where I have a big personality but it's how you lock it in when you're behind the plate and making sure that you're commanding the field and presence even when things aren't going your way you've got to maintain that kind of levelness and I knew that you know that was something I'm pretty good at I'm pretty good at shaking things off I don't really get too high and low so it's maintaining that just kind of professionalism and I kind of mirrored my game a little bit off of her and just kind of her approach um to the way she worked behind the plate and it wasn't always with her loudness of what she was saying it was her demeanor and her way she was carrying herself sprinting on and off the field so that everybody you know knew she was a presence
0: yeah i i love that so much and like for people who follow softball or follow baseball like you fundamentally i think you understand how important the catcher pitcher relationship is because they're mm-hmm. they're the two yeah. focal points of of every single pitch right but what's really interesting is it, so you say demeanor and what i always think about with catcher and that like serious responsibility you have to you know show off good body language when it's when it's going well obviously but to show off good body language when it's not and to keep everyone else confident and i say everyone else because literally everyone else on the field including that pitcher is looking directly yeah. at the catcher the one person who gets to see the entire field everyone else is looking right back at you <laughs> and so if you're yeah. back there yeah. you know sulking or um, you know arguing with the umpire or you know what whatever it is like that just alone right there can be so defeating like you, you take that example in the the national championship game that you were talking about when he went down early i'm sure mm-hmm. you know partially it was the confidence that you were displaying behind the plate that said to the team, all right, we're, we're okay. We're down, but we're not out. We can get back into this. And, mm-hmm. and so I just think it's amazing that you were able to take your personality, take the, the parts that would be your strengths and really um, play them out on the field like that.
2: Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: The the catcher position. Um, I would love to talk just a little bit more about that communication piece and and you had talked about there's a difference between like being the loudest person on the field yeah actually being able to communicate whether that's with your pitcher your infielders your outfielders when it came to communication was it something that you had to individually figure out like your individual relationships with each Mm -hmm. player um, were you able to do it maybe by, you know, infielders and outfielders were different? Like, how did you go about communicating in the most effective way?
2: Um, yeah, no, I definitely think if, to be and to be an effective leader, it's got to be relationship based and it's got to be individualized and everybody kind of feeds off of energy differently. You can't, you know, get in somebody's face that, you know, it crumbles a little bit that you can with a different player. So I honestly think it's, it's 100% relationship building and understanding, that I could get on one pitcher and the other one, you know, some you know might have to take a different approach. So I definitely don't think it's a one size fit all for communication, and it's definitely understanding what each player needs at that time too. Having a feel a little bit of is this the right time to call them out in this instance, or do I need to pull them aside and like it be more one on one? And I think that that's the hardest part is you know when you are holding people accountable, it's finding the right way to do it. And, you know, it doesn't always have to be you yelling at them. It could be, you know, one-on-one and being like, Hey, come on, you're better than that. Like (laughs) it's it's just, you know, and so that's what I love about Oklahoma is that everyone kind of had a feel for different relationship styles and different, you know, ways of people taking things. So I don't think it's one dimensional or even outfielder to infield, but you know, it does have to be kind of a communication where both people can, you know, have a mutual respect for one another. So you can have those conversations or make it lighthearted where you kind of make fun of them a little bit. And, you know, and so it's just knowing each individual individual player, like what I could say to Keilani was different than what I could say to Michelle and just, you know, vice versa. And so it's fun to me to have those relationships and still be really good friends off the field.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Jess, you are doing some coaching and now you've been coaching, Uh, for a good chunk of your career after your playing days ended what does the future do you want to stay coaching and um in terms of the the coaching that you offer you know especially in the sacramento area can you tell us a little bit about you know if there's people who want to get involved or learn more about that
2: yeah absolutely um i do catching and hitting lessons in sacramento area um definitely love being in the private sector a little bit of getting to work with these athletes individually it's been such a fun experience just you know I have a pretty big personality so being able to be myself and kind of also walk them through a little bit of this recruiting process I mean I've been on both sides of it as a player and a coach and so it's been fun to be straightforward with them what's going on and also be realistic with them of their goals and what they need to do to achieve those goals Um, so it's, it's been a fun relationship building. I have some amazing athletes and some younger ones and being part of that kind of growth process has been really, really rewarding. And so it's been fun. I mean, I, I I tell everybody this, the softball world is so tiny. The girl who um, owns the facility that I worked at, that I work at, we met playing against each other in the All-American game back when we were in high school and she ended up playing at Cal. I went to Oklahoma, you know, anytime we played them, it'd be like, an awesome mutual relationship, but now we're working together and it's just so crazy how tight knit this community is and how much everyone in the softball community wants people to be successful. So it's been kind of fun to see it come full circle. Of now we're, you know, working together. We've been playing against each other literally since travel ball days. She's played for lady magic. I played for firecrackers. So um, it's been fun to like rebuild that relationship too. But just my passion is working for athletes, no matter what level it is. So I'm always gonna be in the game Um, at some aspect because I just I love you know building women up whether it's you know they're eight or getting ready to head off to college so just being a part of that process for me it's really important.
0: Yeah I love it and I'll put I know your uh, email is in your social uh, if anyone wants to get in touch about lessons or inquire about anything so we'll put that in the show notes easy reference for everyone and Jess thank you so much for taking the time today the energy that you've brought to this conversation talking about high performance talking about leadership it was a lot of fun i know we could talk more but i'll give you back some of your day and we'll get you on again sometime in the future
2: awesome yeah no it was amazing thank you so much for having me